You can turn your Bibles to James chapter 1 again. James chapter 1. Thank you, Jed. We're looking at the effective friendship, effective friendship with, with God from the book of James. And uh, you may not know it, but uh, Phil and I are pretty close. Uh, we spend a lot of time together. He just really values my insight when it comes to trials. And, you know, running a camp is pretty hard, pretty difficult. And so he just sometimes comes to me and asks for wisdom. And so I, you know, I help him out, just give him wisdom, various kinds, various ways. So we've gotten pretty close over the years. And, and he was headed for a missions trip to South America, and he wanted to take me with him. But we're going to a dangerous place in, in South America. I want to be prepared. He's like, hey, I just want to make sure you know how to use a gun and just practice a little bit. And so we went out to the range to shoot a little bit, and I wasn't that familiar with the gun he gave me, right? So I'm kind of fumbling with it, and I accidentally pushed the, you know, got it pointed down, actually got like, accidentally pushed the safety off, and I actually sh- sh- make a shot, and all of a sudden I hear Phil screaming, you know. And I realize I've shot off his little toe on his right foot. It's terrible. I was, felt so terrible. And in fact, in, all, in the confusion, they thought I had, was, had, was trying to kill Phil, so they actually arrested me and put me in jail. So I'm in jail. Phil, on the other hand, you know, once he gets better, he's like, I'm going on the trip anyway. He doesn't care. He's kind of upset with me and the fact that I, that, I, uh, that I shot him, even though it was accidental. It was not my fault. Really, it wasn't. And, uh, and so he, uh, he goes down to South America to go on this mission trip. And he, while he's in, in South America, in the jungles of South America, uh, it was dangerous. And actually, he got kidnapped by cannibals in South America. Can you believe it? This is crazy. So, so they're about to eat him, and they're kind of pulling off his shoes and his socks, and they realize he's missing this small toe on his right foot, right? And so, he, uh, so they're like, oh, we can't eat you because we only eat people that are whole. And so they send him back because, you know, he wasn't whole. He was missing his right toe on his right foot, you know, small toe on his right foot. And so, uh, so he comes back, and he just... After, you know, he ends the mission strip early because he's like, oh man, my friend, Will, you keep telling me about trials and how God provides in the midst of trials. and you know, he's, he's providential in the midst of trials. And I've, I've just got to be grateful for the fact that I got shot on my right toe so that I didn't get eaten by cannibals. So he comes back and he gets me out of jail. And he's like, I'm so grateful, but I don't understand what, what, what was God doing in your life so that you, you know, you had to be stuck in jail all that time. I was like, well, you know, if, if I had gone to South America with you, then I would have been eaten because I still have all my fingers and toes, you know. So God, God is good all the time, right? And so, so when you see Phil, I know he's limping around some, you, you just, just say, hey, you know, if you, if, I'm, if you doubt what I'm saying at all, just ask to see his, his small toe on his right foot, you know, have him take off, and, he, and it's there. I know maybe he'll be like, no, no, there's nothing wrong with my feet, but, you know, he's just embarrassed. Just insists, okay? <laughs> insists that he take off his right, right shoe and sock and just see, see that I'm right, okay? So, all of that to say that God is providential in trials. He does take care of us, and that's what we're looking at 
as we look at this. And as we go through this, just a question that you're thinking about your life as you go through life. And do you ask yourself on a daily basis, you know, am I trying to be a friend of God? Do, do, do I view my life from that perspective that as I'm going through this day, that I am a friend of God? And I realize it's kind of like that hike we were talking about earlier. In fact, uh, some of you asked me for what I read during that video, and I can't show the video because I didn't buy that, like put it on the internet or something like that because I didn't buy the rights to, to use it in that way. But if you want what I read, just see me. I can email it to you. I'd be glad to do that. Um, but we're on this hike together, and, and one of the things about being in, in a friends of God on this hike is, is that you're, as you're going on this hike, you, God is going to be talking to you about certain things, and, and in a sense, preparing, sometimes preparing you for trials, sometimes guiding you through trials, and he's going to be talking to you, and the question is, is, will you listen to him in the midst of it? And so James focuses on this a lot, actually, as we look from James 1.16. Actually, this whole section goes from James 1.16 all the way to the end of chapter 3 as he's looking at the Word of God and our relationship to it. And he's going to start off here and say, don't be deceived, okay, my beloved brothers, because self-deception in in trials is a huge issue, but it starts with our relationship with the Word of God so that we're not deceived, okay? And it reminds me of just something that happened. Um, I talked about how my wife and I like to run. Uh, well, like to run is probably the wrong term for me, at least, totally. Um, but but uh, we, we ran a lot last year. And uh, actually, someone came up to her and found out she liked to run. And so, uh, yes, last night, um, gave my wife the idea of running all the streets of Ames as a way of, you know, running, you know, I'm like, thank you, whoever you are, really, thank you. I just really appreciate the idea of running all the streets of Ames. I'm just looking forward to that so much. Uh, but, uh, but when we would run together, she can talk and I can't. You get, you get the picture, right? She's, we're running and she starts talking to me and I'm like, how can you talk? I'm barely able to breathe, you know. She's talking to me about, hey, what about the kids and this, and what about that tomorrow? And I'm like, ah, 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 you want me to talk? Yeah. And so I, can, so I learned over time, hey, I can at least listen. You know, she's chatting away while we're talking, running, and I'm like, okay, I, I can listen. But if she brought up something where I felt like it was a problem that I, could, that I needed to solve, I would stop running, you know? She'd be like, okay, what are we going to do about this, you know? You know, you, this, this is going on, and, and, you know, you've got to make a decision here. And I would be like, all of a sudden, she's like, where'd you go? You know, I'd be like, I can't run and solve problems at the same time. It doesn't work that way for me, okay? Uh, I can do one or I can do the other, but not both at the same time. And, and sometimes in life, it's, it seems like God is doing that with us, right? He's asking us in the midst of life to listen to him. And, and we're like, hey, God, how am I supposed to do this when I'm still just going through life? How am I supposed to walk with you in the midst of trials, handling trials, even though it's hard, you know? I can barely breathe sometimes. And so... Really, James is going to get to the heart of this here is it's our relationship with the Word that gives us strength, gives us vitality, gives us endurance. 
And so I want you to see as we look through here that we need to be hearers of the word. And here's the big idea, all right? We are God's friends and we receive his word with meekness and obey it with perseverance. Can you say it with me, all right? We are God's friends when we receive his word with meekness and obey it with perseverance, okay? That's where we're going to talk through that. How do we do that well, okay? And that's what James is going to talk about here. Follow along as I start in James chapter 1 and verse 16. It says, Do not be, be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now, there's some key ideas here that are playing off one another, and I just, so here's kind of the main point, right? If you're going through notes, be a hearer of the word. And, okay, ooh, we're going we're gonna to slide them in that way. Very cool. Okay, so, so notice that the word, first of all, how the word of truth is also the thing that we're supposed to receive with meekness, right? So we receive with meekness the implanted word, but it's what, we, what brought us forth, what made us made us who we are, right? Peter says that in 1 Peter, right? That we were made because the Holy Spirit used the word of God to make us into his children, to make us, in 1 Peter 2, living stones. So God uses his word to make us, but we still have to receive it in order for us to grow. And that, there, that idea there, which is able to save your souls, is not the idea of it, it saves you because he's talking to believers here. It's talking about the fact that it's, he's, he's sanctifying us. He's developing us into his children in that sense. And so you have a couple ideas also here that then what are we about? What has he made us into through the word of God? That we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And that's kind of parallel in that idea with the righteousness of God. Now, in context, again, you're thinking about the big picture of trials and friendship with God in the midst of trials, right? So, it's kind of like God is doing the same thing with us that he did with Job, right? Where Satan comes to God and says, Job, you know, he, he just follows you because you're kind to him, because you're good to him. Because you, you don't let anything bad happen to him. And that's the only reason why he follows you. And God's like, okay, I'll let some things into his life. Now with Job, he goes big things, you know, very difficult things. For us, it might be small. But the point is, is that we're the first people, in a sense, on earth that when we see trials from God, we still view God as our friend rather than as our enemy. Because everybody else in the world, you know, you got people that are like, well, it's just karma, you know. It's like, I get what I deserve. Or you got, you got people that are like, hey, yeah, you know, just trials, you know. You must not believe hard enough. Because if you believed hard enough, then, then God would just treat you well. 
But he's saying to us, James is saying to us, hey, we are, a, we are kind of a first kind of people. People that actually believe that even in the face of trials that God is our friend. That God is for us and not against us. And we get to demonstrate that to the world. We get to live that out. He, he's actually created us to do that as part of everything that he's doing. Now, that's an amazing thing. And I'm like, God, I don't necessarily want to volunteer for that, you know. But at the same time, he's like, no, but there's some amazing things that are going to happen as a result of you just following me. So a couple ideas here. So he's saying, don't be deceived, my beloved brothers. He's saying, we can, we can just get caught up in the wrong things looking at trials. He says, Put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Let me just, just get, see if I can get them all in here. There we go. So, so what does it mean to put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness? Now, if you have an old King James, right, it would say, it would say put away all filthiness and the overflow of naughtiness, okay? And it's kind of a, like, what does that even mean, right? Actually, the word overflow there is, is a better translation than rampant. Okay, the idea is, is that before we came to Christ, we lived a certain way. We, we lived for ourselves, and the overflow of our lives was just all selfishness. It was all about what was good for me, and I analyzed my life on what was good for me, what, was, what helped me out, and I never considered God and what God was doing in the picture. And he's saying, hey, you've become a new kind of creation that where you're considering, what is God doing in this? How do I need to respond to what God is doing? So put away that because the anger of man, it's like getting angry and be like, oh, why is this happening to me? That will never produce the righteousness of God. So instead, he's saying we need to be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Now, maybe you've heard this and you've heard, heard, it, heard it referred to in, return, in, in, in how we treat one another. And that's not a bad application, but that's not the primary meaning here. See, he's been talking about the Word of God all the way through. And he's asking you a question in a sense. is Do you look at the Word of God and you're quick to hear the Word of God? You're slow to speak against what God is telling you. You're slow to get angry with God. Now that then flows out into how we respond to others. I'll just point that out in just a minute. But that's the same idea as receive with meekness. Being quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger is the same thing as receive with meekness, the implanted word. Those are, those are parallel ideas. So again, what's your relationship with the word? Are you a hearer of the word? That is, you're quick to hear. You're quick to say, what does God say about this? I'm in this midst of this trial. What does God say? What does God want? What is God doing? I'm quick to hear that. I'm, I'm, I'm not quick to go to God and, and be like, God, I disagree with what you're telling me. God, I'm mad at you for doing this to me. I'm, I'm slow to do that. Not that you see even in Psalms that sometimes we have to struggle with God sometimes. But the, the idea of receive with meekness the implanted word is to say, God, I'm, I'm listening I want to know what you have to say. Now, how does that work exactly? And so, actually, if you go to Luke chapter 8, Luke chapter 8, how, what is our relationship with being a hearer of the word? 
Well, Luke gives us a parable from Jesus in Luke chapter 8 and verse 4. And I'll read it for you. You can follow along with me. It says, And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot. And the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock. As it grew up, it, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell amongst good soil and grew up and yielded a hundredfold. And he said these, as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay? So again, the focus is in, are we hearing what Jesus is telling us? Do we hear the word? And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so they may not believe and be saved. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive with joy. But these have no fruit. They believe for a while, and in time of testing, fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear. But as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of the life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and a good heart and bear fruit with patience. Now, sometimes we read this and we're like, well, am I saved or not, you know, based on how my relationship with the word. And the focus is not so much on are you saved or not. The focus is on how are you responding to the word of God. So in that sense, even Christians can fall into that first category here. I'm going to just go to, oops, I'm kind of, we'll come back to that, okay. The, the idea of the hard hearts, okay. Even Christians can have a hard heart and the word of God might fall, you know, your, your pastor might preach to you and you're angry with God that morning. You're not really listening. You're not really letting it come to you and, and the devil just snatches it away. Or you might be going through life and the cares of this world, you're, you know, you're, you read God's word in the morning and the cares of this world, you forget totally about what you read that morning, you forget totally about what God told you, and you just get caught up in whatever you're concerned about. See, see the difference here? So I just want to maybe help you think this through a little bit. And what is your relationship to just hearing the word of God? So in relation to a hard heart, I think oftentimes we get a hard heart as Christians, not only because we might get angry with God, but especially because we think in trials that the, it's kind of the end of the story. Like, like we're, we're kind of going through our trial and we think, well, that's the end of the trial and I failed. And so we think, well, God can't do anything there. And God's trying to tell you, hey, I'm, like, I'm your friend. I'm with you. I'm, I'm, I'm working in this situation. And you're saying, but God, it, it didn't work. I did what you told me to do. I, I followed your plan, but it didn't work. They didn't respond. And so we get a hard heart, just not believing that God is our friend, not believing that he's really for us. Can I just tell you a story about a young man in my church um, we were kind of going through a transition, and our, our youth pastor at the time, he, he, he came to me, he's like, you're, we're, I'm transitioning responsibilities, and I've got this young man, and I, I wanted to get him into leadership, but, uh, 
but I can't do that with the transition responsibilities, but I, I want to watch out for him. And I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll start watching out for him. I'll, I'll help with the transition. And so I started meeting with him. He had just transferred from a Christian school to a public school, and he started really struggling with just the idea of pleasing people, pleasing his peers. And he was just wanting to be popular so much that I'd meet with him and we'd talk through things and he'd just be like, I'm struggling. And I'd be like, I'd try to, try to do the right thing and, and, and help him with that. But he just kept struggling. In fact, he started getting, he's wanting his uh, desire just to have his friends happy with him so much that he, he, he wasn't that athletic, he wasn't that smart. And so he, he fell with a group that he felt like he could influence, that he could be popular with, and that was kids that did drugs. And, and so he, he started to do drugs, and he started to sell drugs, and he started to steal uh, from stores in order to... And he wasn't getting caught, but we knew. We, could, we knew what was going on. And, and you know... I'm thinking to myself, God, I did what you asked me to do, you know. I, I reached out to him. I loved him. I, I would meet with him sometimes during that period. And, and I'd be like, I don't think that did any good at all. <laughs> you know what I mean? Try to show I love. At the same time, try to say, hey, what you're doing is wrong. You're headed the wrong, wrong, down the wrong path in one ear and out the other. And... And you're tempted right then to just kind of say, God, that's the end of the story. I, I, I did all I could. What else can I do? He was still wanting to meet with me occasionally. He would text me, hey, can we get together? I'd love to talk sometime. You know, saw him not graduate from high school. Saw him not go to college. Saw him get arrested for having drugs in his car when he got pulled over had to talk to his parents and say, hey, you might just want to leave him in jail for a little bit. <laughs> you know, maybe he can learn something through this. You know, and, and all the time you're thinking, God, what's going on? You know, fast forward a couple of years, God starts to work in his heart. God, start, starts to, God starts to say, hey, you know, you are headed down the wrong path. This is destructive. You know, look at your friends. They've, they're graduating from college. They're starting careers, and you've got nothing. You've chosen the wrong path. And so he started to turn his life around. He started to get the drugs out of his life, but just doing it in his own strength. And, and he starts to plant some seeds, say, hey, you should maybe not just get on the right path. To get, stay on the right path, you need God in your life. And he started to listen to that. And so that over time, it's gotten to the point where the last couple of Sundays he's been back in church. How does that happen? Again, because God is not done with the story yet. We think, oh, God's done. God's done with the story. God's done with my life. God's done with my influence in this person's life. God's done with this trial. And God's like, no, I'm not done writing the story. Don't get a hard heart. Don't let Satan snatch the, the seed out of your heart of the word of God and be like, God is not my friend. God can't use me. God can't work in this situation. No, God is your friend and he is not done with your story nor the, the story of people you love. 
So trust him. Don't get a hard heart. Believe the truth that he is with you, that he is for you. You can also have a shallow heart, right? And a shallow heart is someone who doesn't get the big picture. Who, who right, there's someone who, they, they believe, but they have no root, right? They, have, they, they don't really understand what God is doing. And in the midst of trials, so again, we lose sight of the fact of what God is doing. We, we, we don't see it sometimes, and we get caught up in that. Just going back to that same story, right? Uh, you think about it. You have a, a teenager who's, whose parents love God, who did a lot of things right. They, they loved their child. They, they disciplined their child. They protected their child, and their child still started to go down the wrong path. And I encourage them and love them, but they, you know, it's still hard. It put pressure on their marriage. They're like disagreeing sometimes about how to deal with it. Put pressure on just their relationship at church. Sometimes you just don't want to come to church if you feel like someone's going to ask about your kid. And what do you say? How do you respond? And yet, through all of that, they just, they stayed faithful to the word. They listened to the word. They got good advice. They considered. And and actually, this afternoon, I got a text from the mom. And she's like, hey, someone in our small group, her son's going down the wrong path. Her son's hurting. Her son's, you know. And, and I have the chance to now come alongside of her and love her and share the wisdom I've gained through that whole process. And I wouldn't have had that if I hadn't gone through the same path myself, you know. And that's, again, we can have a shallow heart that doesn't see the big picture of what God is doing. And so we reject the word of God in our hearts. We just say, I, I, can't, I, I don't want to stay faithful. I don't want to stay persevering. I don't want to listen to God right now because it, it seems like, it's the, like, the, like what I want in the situation is not going to happen. And he's saying, no, listen to the word. Listen to the word. Embrace it. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. God really is your friend. God really is doing good in your life and through your life. And you may not see it all now, but it's going to happen. Another one, a distracted heart, right? And this is one that hits me pretty hard because I can find myself in this pretty easily, right? It's the idea that we can have kind of it both ways, that I can follow God and do what God wants me to do, and at the same time, I can do what I want to do too. And so we go after, and we're like, okay, God, yes, I'm in the Word, I'm listening to the Word, I'm reading the Word, okay, I'm going to obey you today. But I'm also, at the same time as I want to obey you today, I also want to do this. I want to have my fun. I don't want to have my pleasure. I want to do what I want to do. And, and, and so we're constantly torn... <laughs> between loving God and finding joy in Him and having our own joys, private joys. God, God, you can't enter into this joy. This is my joy. And that destroys our ability to listen to the Word, right? Now, this can be not because of our own problems. It can be just because of our culture around us, right? This is what our culture tries to tell us and sell us in a multitude of ways, that we can have it all. It talks to moms, right? And it says, hey, you can have it all. 
You can be a mom. You can have a job. You can have plenty of money. You can have plenty of a career. And you can have it all and do everything. And it's not the way it works in real life. Something's got to give. It's not that you can't have a job. It's just you, you can't have it all. And you've got to decide what does God want you to do. Guys, same same thing sometimes, right? We think, oh, I can have it all. I can be the man God wants me to be, and I can have my fun, do what I want to do. And God's like, that's not the way it works. I want your whole heart. I don't want a distracted heart. And so he puts you in trial sometimes directly to address that issue in your heart and help you see that you have a distracted heart. Because what does he say? Again, notice what it says, verse, verse 15. As for that in good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience or endurance. Isn't that what James is saying? Right? In fact, it's interesting, right? Keep reading. Verse 19. Right? James is the brother of Jesus. Verse 19 says, Then his mother and his brothers came to him, and they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, Your mother and your brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. Hey, they're here. You should love your family. And what does he say? He answered them, My brothers and my mother are those who hear the word of God and do it. Do you think that stuck with James? He's going to spend a majority of his book on that exact idea that we would hear the word of God and do it. That we would have that kind of relationship with the word. So, just the idea of hearing the word. What's your relationship? Do you, do you delight to hear the word of God? Are you quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to wrath? When you read God's word and he says, go do this, and you're like, that sounds tough, God. Are you quick to hear or are you kind of, Quick to get angry with God. God, that's too tough. I can't believe you asked me to do that. What's your relationship? To be a friend of God, to go through trials well, knowing that God is your friend, you have to listen. You have to embrace that God is speaking to you. All right, so not only that, but then he says, right, be, not only be hearers of the word, but be doers as well. Back in James chapter 1. How do we, if we're going to listen well, and then it's not just that we listen well, but that we do something with it. Verse 22, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Um, when I was younger, I, this, this was convicting to me, just because I was a high schooler that didn't care how I looked, you know. My mom was always like, comb your hair, you know. I was like, my hair is crazy, it never stays still, I don't, it doesn't do any good, you know. And so I would look at myself in the mirror and then walk away, <laughs> doesn't matter. No girl's going to look at me anyway, you know. But that, that's not really the point here, right? The point is, is that it's, he's saying it's, it's that kind of idea with the word. Sometimes we go to the word, right, and we, we, we listen to it, but we don't do it. And it's like someone who goes and says, oh, okay, there's a problem and doesn't fix it. But 
I want to kind of back that up a little bit, and let's just talk about what it means to be, to, to do the word. Again, notice back up in verse 18. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures, right? So the word of truth is something that comes into our lives and tells us we're something different than what we were before, right? He's saying, hey, you are a new kind of creature. And then we're supposed to, right, receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your soul. So it's, it's coming into our lives, telling us that we're new, new creatures in Christ, and then helping us to live that out, right? But notice what he goes on to say, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So if you think I'm going to say, hey, you better do a bunch of things, that's not actually what James is saying here, okay? What he's, he's saying is you've got to look into the law of liberty, understand what it's saying, and obey it, right? Well, what is the law of liberty? Well, reminds me of Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 6, right? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Law of liberty. What's he saying here? What's the law of sin and death? Ever think about that? So, in Exodus, it talks about the law, and it says, the soul that sins, that breaks the law, shall die. That's the law of sin and death. If you break the law, you're dead. Okay? But it says we've been set free from that law by the law of the spirit of life. What is the law of the spirit of life? Somebody tell me. What's the law of the spirit of life? Well, this is not a dumb crowd. Right? What, yes. Yes, the fruit of the spirit, right? That, that we would have this, the spirit in our lives. But how do we get the fruit of the spirit? Salvation, Right? So, so the fact that we're, that we're, the Spirit has come into our lives helping us to live a new kind of life is because the Spirit has given us that through Jesus Christ, right? Jesus Christ came and died and rose again so that all of a sudden we have new life. And that's the point here saying the law of the Spirit of life is if you trust in what Jesus has done for you, you have the Spirit and you have life. Right? That's what he says in verse 3. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. God gave the law, but it was, we couldn't in our own flesh keep the law. Right? By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Right? Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So we have a new way of living it's a law of freedom, not a law of death. You, we don't go through life thinking, well, if I fail this trial, God is, God is going to hate me. Why? Because we have the law of the spirit of life in us that says, no matter what happens, God loves me. He's with me. He's, the spirit is, is using whatever happens to make me more like Christ. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. He's saying, here, if you look into the law of liberty, what you see is that God, by his own will, has set you free from sin and death. 
has made you his child, has given you his spirit, has empowered you to live for him, has empowered you that you can glorify Christ, that you can walk with God, that you can be God's friend, which you could not do on your own. And so to look into that law then says, this is who I am. I have the ability to do what God wants me to do. I have the ability to influence here. Like when I was meeting with this, this teenage guy, I was like, God, I don't know exactly what to do. I don't know the words to say. It doesn't seem to matter even what I try to say. If I try to be hard, if I try to be soft, it doesn't seem to matter. And God's like, trust me. Let me work it. Just keep being faithful. Keep trusting me. Why? Because it's God at work, not really me at work. And so to look at the law of liberty is to see that God has made us new creations in Christ that we can live for him, and we can live out of that. So uh, here's just a a quick video of a young man, new Christian, kind of struggling with walking with God. And I just want you to kind of watch the video here to see how he relates to the Word of God. Notice his relationship with the Word of God. So I've been doing hip-hop music since I was a little kid. Just a part of that culture, the way I dress, the way I talk, is literally a part of who I am. And so... Now, when I became a believer, when I was 16, God started to use that part of me in a way that I never even thought he could. And, uh, you know, I I can relate to people that look like me, talk like me, dress like me, but they're like, wow, this, this dude is, you know, rapping the gospel. This dude is rapping about Jesus. And so it literally blows people's minds, just like it blew my mind, you know, when, when I saw it for the first time as well. A lot of times as an artist, I I can struggle with discontentment in terms of looking at other artists' platforms and uh, when I begin to compare myself to other people. And so it's like as my platform was growing, it's almost like my heart wanted more, you know, and it, it wasn't always satisfied with the growth that was happening right before my eyes. Whenever I start to look at other artists, whether it's I'm at their shows or whether it's on their social media pages. Sometimes, you know, my, my heart can be like, how is that not me? Whenever I'm going through these struggles, these wrestles, honestly, I'm never really questioning what, what God is doing. It's more so of, man, am I just inadequate? I mean, one of the number one things that helps shape my heart for more gratitude than discontentment is literally just diving into God's word. Uh, I feel like every time I dive into God's word, it humbles me because it really just puts the human heart in check. I mean, if I'm following my heart on a day-to-day basis, a lot of people say to follow your heart, I would be in trouble. You know, just having accountability and having uh, good conversations with brothers throughout the week you know, and just having relatable situations, always pointing each other back to the word. And then um, just my, my daily, my daily uh, quiet time with God, going throughout the day and diving in his word and, and seeing beautiful things with him uh, allows me to, to be grateful for what I have. No, I'm not trying to start a debate about Christian rap or not, okay? But what I want you to see is his relationship with the word. What did he say? He, said, he talked about accountability. He talked about being in the word daily. He talked about, in some says, mem- memorization, those kinds of things. But notice there was a deeper part to it. It was driven by something else, right? 
it was driven by the fact that he was getting to gratitude. Gratitude with what God had given him. So if you're going to do the word, it's really about, can you, can you step back and be, well, not just check off the list? Well, I had devotions today. Well, I, I went to church today, and I, 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 went to, I, I even met with an accountability group today so that I could grow in Christ. Those are all good things to do. But if you don't have the component of looking into the law of liberty and seeing what God has done for you, being grateful for that, and living out of the gospel, then you're missing the point. It's not about your performance. It's not about what you can do and accomplish. It's about what God has done for you and living out of that. Here's the way I like to put it with my church. Preach the gospel to yourself every day. Preach the gospels to yourself every day because you're looking into the, the law of liberty. You're saying to yourself, this is what God has done for me. This is who I am in Christ now. I, I don't think I can have an influence with my family. I don't think that I can have an influence with my friends, with my coworkers. I don't think that I can handle these trials very well. And God steps into the picture and says, no, I made you a new creation I made you to, to, to have an influence, to show to the world what it means to be a friend of God, even in difficulty, even in trial, that you can have an influence with the people around you, not because you're so great, not because you have it all together, but because God is your friend, and God can work in and through you. And so preach the gospel to yourself every day. And then live out your gratitude. Live out your gratitude. Live out and say, you know what? I'm so thankful for what God has done for me. I'm so thankful that, that I am a new creation in Christ, that I'm forgiven, that I'm cleansed, that I have a new purpose, new vision, new delights, new hopes, new destiny, new family. These are all things that God has given me, not because I'm so great, but because he is my friend. And we live out of that. So here's another idea to think about from this standpoint. So when I was, I was first married, I had the naive idea that, hey, we were just going to be in love, right? That, that we could just stay in love and just be in love, and it would just be wonderful. And my, my wife would talk about working at the relationship, and I would be like, what's work? You know, hey, we're just, we just love one another, right? And so it, it dro was drove home to me kind of on a, on a kind of a cold night early on in our marriage. Um, so, so she wanted to go to this exercise class at our, at our um, kind of local swimming um, facility. And, uh, and uh, she's like, okay, drop me off and then pick me up at the end of the class. I was like, no problem. I can do that. So, so... I dropped her off, and I went to Walmart, you know. I got going around Walmart, you know, just kind of checking things out, kind of, you know, just you know, seeing what I could see, because Walmart's kind of an interesting place sometimes. And I was just looking around, and I looked at my watch finally, and I realized it's way past the time when she said, pick me up. I'm like, shoot, I'm out of here. So I drove over there, 
She's waiting outside in the cold, like, where are you? You know, my hair is now frozen, you know. And I realized something. To work at the relationship means that you make commitments and you follow through on those commitments, right? That means that's what it means to work at the relationship. And, and, and that's also, in a sense, what we do when he says, do the word here. He's saying, preach the gospel to yourself, but follow through on it. Don't just preach the gospel to yourself and say, okay, well, I don't need to do anything. No, live it out. Because God actually wants to do something um, through you in his grace today. He wants to actually change some people's lives and change your life and work through you and work in you. Because he's not done with you yet. Your story is not yet done. And so work at the relationship. Keep doing what God wants you to do on a daily basis. So here's a phrase uh, we use in our family. Obedience comes before blessing. Obedience comes before blessing. If you notice here in, in, uh, in James chapter 1, he says that, right? He says, be, be doers of the word not, and hearers, not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. Verse 25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So as we decide, okay, in the midst of trial, I'm going I'm to obey because blessing is going to come. God really is my friend and I can obey. I can delight in what he's doing. I can trust that he's, he's my friend. I can act based on that. So we act, we, we're, we're acting, we're saying, okay, how can I love someone? How would I want to be treated if I were in their situation? How would I, uh, how would I want to act? I would love that and, and act that out. We would love our neighbor as ourselves, right? Then, then, then the blessing comes as we just act based on what God is doing in our lives. So here's the next step in our hike, so to speak. What's one thing you are grateful God, God has done for you? Just, just think about that for a second, right? What's one thing that you're grateful for that God has done for you? It could be today, it could be this week, it could be just you know, a spiritual truth that's eternally true. Okay, think about that for a second. Now I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them what that one thing is, all right? Turn to your neighbor, tell them one thing you're grateful God has done for you for, all right? Go ahead, go, do it. Okay, good. I don't, we can keep going, obviously. Second question there is, can you talk with some, about it with someone and you just did, okay? But part of the point is this. You know what God wants you to do if he's your friend and he's working in your life? He just wants you to talk about what you're grateful for. And if you can do that on a daily basis, when trials come, it's so much easier to talk about what you're grateful for because you've been talking about what you're grateful for. And, and so, just on a daily basis, be in the Word, delighting in what God's done, grateful for it, and then share it with someone. That will prepare you for the trials that come into your life. It'll get you a good relationship with the Word, where you're both listening to the Word and doing the Word on a daily basis. It'll prep you. And here's the last, the last question. Maybe you can think about this. Can you share His love with someone because of what He has done? So it may not be that you're grateful and you share that, but maybe you're, you're just saying, God, you've, you've been forgiving to me. And there's someone I need to be forgiving to. 
God, you've been merciful to me, and I need to be merciful. God, you've been helpful to me, and I need to be helpful. And maybe the Holy Spirit is working in your life and saying, you know what, there's someone you can be helpful to today, tomorrow morning. Maybe there's someone you can be forgiving with, you know, your brother or sister. It's not easy necessarily living at camp, right? right? It's a little awkward sometimes, and people get on people's nerves, and that happens. Maybe you need to be forgiving because God has forgiven you. Right, why? Because God is your friend. He wants to take the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy he has shown you and help you to pour it out on other people and in the process to show how great he is. So don't give up on that. Don't stop listening to the word. Don't not believe, right, that you are a child of God. And that he wants to do good things in your life and through your life because you are his friend and he is yours. Will you do that? Will you get into the word long enough to be grateful? And then will you either talk about it or share it with someone else that keeps you listening and doing God's word? Heavenly Father,